here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know what? It is so shameless out there. The media are so shameless. The Democrats are so shameless. Before this Hurricane Florence, they're laying the foundation to trash the President of the United States. They argue that he failed in Puerto Rico, where 3,000 people died. Luis Gutierrez is out there. Others are out there. Just outrageous comments. We have men and women all across this country, some of whom volunteer, some of whom are first-line responders, who put their lives on the line to swing into action when there is a disaster, natural or man-made. And you can watch cable TV as I speak, and it's all about Donald Trump. Donald Trump said 3,000 people didn't die. Donald Trump said this. Donald Trump said that. And I think to myself, how did all this start? Did Donald Trump just send a tweet out there about Puerto Rico? No, that's not how it all started. The media started it. The media starts these issues... The president responds to them because he's not going to be George W. Bush and Katrina. And then they attack him. Meanwhile, you got Republicans refuting the president of the United States. But who started this? Moreover, the media having started this, what about the people right now who are facing death, who are facing destruction? I'm telling you, I'm watching a newscast, our favorite newscast, and they do the obligatory news, which is really news. The obligatory news as it relates to the hurricane, right? And having done so, they then follow it up. Well, all the Trump said this and Trump said that and Republicans are distancing themselves from Trump. Now, that's outrageous. As I said the other day, you could see it coming. The issue is trust. We have fellow Americans who are losing everything, fellow Americans who may die. Does it sound like Washington, D.C. and the media there? Does it sound like New York City and the media there? Does it sound like they really give a damn? It's politics all the time and left-wing politics all the time. It is Shameless, absolutely shameless. Now, I can give you example after example after example, but you can go on the Internet if you've been working all day and see it, or you can turn on the TV and see it all day. Then Republicans are asked to respond to what Trump tweeted out. Well, who started this? Who's dragging this nation down each and every day? 
It's these these leftists dressed up as reporters and journalists. Andrea Mitchell. Jake Tapper. Don Lemon. A list of, of buffoons. Brian Williams. Amazingly, he has a job, the guy. And you know the rest of them. So the President of the United States is, is attacked even before this storm hits the shore. And so much of the air is taken up on the media dealing with that. His reply. And this isn't the only time. It is all the time. It's, it's, it. We have been dragged down as a society. The so-called free press is really quite tyrannical. It's ideological. They don't protect the free press. I say this day in and day out. They distort events. They distort events. So it's... I'll give you an example. On CNN today, there's a guy by the name of John Avalon, and he prides himself on being neither a Democrat or a Republican. He's married to this Margaret Hoover on PBS. He used to attack talk radio. He attacks conservatives. He rarely attacks liberals. He's a clown. But I want you to listen to this. Actually listen to this on a news channel. Cable News Network. That's what CNN officially stands for. I want you to listen to this. Cut one, go. But while President Trump has been talking up our preparedness, his policies have been tearing down our defenses to climate change, which is often a blame for extreme weather. In fact, on the very same day Trump was discussing Florence from the Oval Office, his EPA proposed rolling back restrictions on emissions of methane, which is 25 times worse than carbon dioxide when it comes to climate change. And that's just the latest environmental party policy targeted by the Trump administration. According to a July study from the New York okay, Times... That's enough. That's enough. At the end of his diatribe, he says Trump's environmental policies, two Harvard scientists. So bad that according to two Harvard scientists, he says, Trump's environmental policies could lead to an additional 80,000 unnecessary deaths every decade. This is on a news station, a news network. It's not challenged. It's so preposterous. So Trump is responsible for up to 80,000 additional deaths a decade because he doesn't embrace the mysticism of man-made climate change. And but Trump is under attack tonight because he was defending himself. I don't care if he defended himself in an awkward way. It's not even the point. We should be rallying as a nation. We should be uniting as a nation. We should be getting behind a president who is dealing with a national disaster, a natural disaster. But that's not what's happening. He's under attack. He's under attack, and it's every damn day for every damn thing. And you don't have to be a Trump supporter to see it. All the time, 24-7. By the so-called media. And they don't even hide it anymore. They don't even hide it anymore. Listen to this one. 
Luis Gutierrez on the floor of the House today. Cut to go. From the beginning, the president's focus was on damage control from a political standpoint, not damage control from a human life. Now, we know that's a lie. We know it's a lie as a matter of fact. Go ahead. That truth is that in trying so hard to make sure that the hurricane didn't become Trump's Katrina, we lost far more lives. This was a disaster mismanagement and that lies at the feet of the president. Now he's talking about Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. We know what happened in Puerto Rico. They got hit by two hurricanes. It is an island. It's difficult to get there. You get there by ship and you can get there by plane. We know that the infrastructure in Puerto Rico is very poor due to very bad economic and political decisions. It's all but bankrupt. Their electrical grid is a disaster and unreliable. Even their sewage system. Decades and decades of political corruption. But Luis Gutierrez would never say that. Never say that. It's really a damn shame what's happened to this country, and the media are a big part of it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now let's think about something as rational people. Let's stipulate that 3,000 people perished last year as a result of those hurricanes in Puerto Rico. How is it Donald Trump's fault? See, the argument seems to be that FEMA didn't act quickly enough, or there weren't enough resources. Well, how do we know that? How do we know people weren't swept away in their cars or swept away out of their homes when the hurricanes hit and the ocean waters rose? How do we know people didn't die because from, uh, from the, the roofs caving in in their homes? Do we know how many of those people perished as a result of a lack of clothing or water or food or shelter or medical attention? Because that's basically what FEMA does. We have no idea in each case how any of these poor souls perished. There's no study on that that I'm aware of. They point to this study, and, well, I mean, the study says it's approximately 3,000. Okay, it's a horrible number. It's a horrible disaster. But I am asking, how is it Donald Trump's fault? Exactly what was it that had to be done that wasn't done? We don't know. We don't have any idea. I seriously doubt the vast majority of those people perished because of a lack of FEMA resources. I suspect most of those people perished early on. When the brunt of those hurricanes slammed into that island. But the media don't help us discern anything. It's a mud fight. In the middle of another hurricane. Now the president didn't trigger this fight. The Democrats and the media, one and the same, they triggered the fight. They triggered the fight because they're trying to destroy this guy. They do it all the time. No matter what occurs, 
Barack Obama was never blamed for a damn thing. All they say is, you see, the Republicans don't agree that there's climate change and these hurricanes wouldn't be happening and these lives wouldn't die. And everybody nods their head up and down over at Google and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which is insane. Absolutely insane. Katrina happens in New Orleans and President Bush is blamed. Blamed for what? He wasn't managing that city for 30 years, funneling money where money shouldn't have been funneled. And people perished. It was horrible. But how was that George Bush's fault? Well, they didn't react fast enough. They reacted pretty fast. I don't believe we've ever seen anything like that. First of all, FEMA's not the first uh, responder. And if you're going to blame politicians, which is awful enough, quite frankly, then why wouldn't you be blaming the local mayors who are on the ground? Why wouldn't you be blaming the governor? Why wouldn't you be blaming those people? Since it is they who live there every single day. Since it is is they who raise the taxes to pay for local, municipal, uh, infrastructure and so forth. Why wouldn't they be the ones you're blaming if you have to find somebody to blame? How is it the president's responsibility for what took place in Puerto Rico? He didn't run the public electric utility. He didn't run the water system. He wasn't in charge of the bridges and the road structure. He wasn't in charge of the various uh, uh, flood walls and so forth in Puerto Rico. And yet it's on him. All day long. All day long. And then, having triggered this kind of truly poisonous debate, truly awful debate in the middle of a hurricane... Then the people who trigger it blame the target of their venom, the President of the United States, for being unpresidential. He's supposed to be like George W. Bush, just accept whatever they dish out. But he's not George W. Bush, and he's not going to just accept it. Whether he gets his numbers right or whether he gets his numbers wrong, the fact of the matter is this 3,000 number is very troubling to me. Not only, and especially because of all the, the human beings who perished, but that's not why these politicians are using that number. They want you to believe that Donald Trump was lazy and incompetent, and as a result of that, 3,000 people died in Puerto Rico. Ipso facto, he's a racist, because he doesn't care about Puerto Ricans. This is what they're saying today. Which is crazy. And yet we hear it on CNN. We hear it on MSNBC. We read it in the newspapers. And it goes on and on and on, as if it's news, which it's not. I don't know what to do about this. I really don't know what to do about this. It is a a sad fact that in the not-so-distant past, when we had these natural disasters or man-made disasters... The nation united around the president of the United States, whether he could do something about it in the short term or not. But we have a media that that come between the nation, that is the people, and the president. They come between the people and the president and then try to tell us what's taken place and try to assign blame. 
and are ideologically driven. This is why none of them will come on this program, because I expose them day in and day out for who they are and what they do. They see a coming tragedy like this, and their managing editors, and their other editors, and the reporters, so-called, are all excited. They're getting ready for what? To blame the president. Or, if you don't accept the ideology of climate change, it's on your hands. This is why so many people buckle to this stuff, folks, including Republicans. We have a NASA administrator now, Bridenstine. Remember Mr. Producer used to come on this show? He's a solid conservative from out of Oklahoma. We endorsed him in his first race. Very nice man. Combat pilot. He can't say it enough now. Climate change is man-made. Climate change is man-made. Climate, Because they've beaten him down and beaten him down. And now he embraces it. This is the nature of progressivism. This is the nature of Alinskyism. And you're seeing it play out. It's, I'm, it's, it's a sad fact. I'm just observing it like you. It's a terrible, terrible thing. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. We've been seeing now people interviewed who've decided they're going to stay behind and they're going to weather the storm. So they're not listening to FEMA. And if they stay behind and weather the storm and they die through their own reckless personal behavior, is that the president's fault? If the infrastructure hasn't been properly cared for by local and state government, is that the president's fault? Or, for that matter, Mother Nature's Mother Nature. There's going to be human life that is lost in every single major natural disaster. Earthquakes. Hurricanes. You name it. Tornadoes, massive forest fires. Well, whose fault is that? It's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. But the Democrat Party and the media are very, very good at getting out front and positioning situations. And they know that the president's going to reply, and then he becomes the story. It's not his fault that he becomes the story. I hear people, well, maybe he shouldn't reply if you only reply. Okay, fine. But he does reply. He's not George W. Bush. He's not 
really every past Republican who took it on the chin. He says, no, that's not what happened. So I would ask the media tonight, 3,000 human beings, precious human beings, perished in the natural disasters last summer in Puerto Rico. Can you tell us when and how each one of them perished? We want to know. And what exactly FEMA failed to do to ensure that each and every one of them didn't perish. If you're going to assign that number to the President of the United States because you're morbid, because you're, you're really quite sick, then we need to know more. We need to know a lot more. And this is their game. Every time there's a natural disaster and a Republican's in office, just look at the pattern. They failed to do what they should have done to ensure that there was no lost life. That's not possible for many reasons. And, of course, they have the overarching argument already to go to. You don't agree about climate change. You won't gut the capitalist system and the American economy in order to embrace our ideology. Therefore, it's on you. What do you have to say about that? John Avalon. 80,000 more deaths, up to 80,000 more deaths in the next 10 years because Trump gutted the so-called climate change deal. Think about that. And think about how sick you have to be to actually believe that. How sick do you have to be to actually believe that? Very. Very. There have been natural disasters. As long as there have been the planet Earth. The planet Earth was created out of a disaster. A natural disaster. And that's the way nature works with, you know, with earthquakes and hurricanes and, uh, and volcanoes and all the rest of it. You have people in Hawaii. They keep building their homes right up against a volcano. More and more development takes place in and across hurricane routes. That's fine, but you have to take some responsibility for it. It's not the president who's responsible for it. He and FEMA, meaning thousands, tens of thousands of people, people in the civil service and volunteers, they do everything they can to try and help people. And it's true, sometimes a better job is done than than other times. But usually it's a pretty good job that's done. Again, federal government's not in charge of the electrical grid for Puerto Rico. Do we even know the name of the governor of Puerto Rico when all of this occurred? No, we don't. Meanwhile, the lieutenant governor of Puerto Rico has been on TV today. And he said the president's response was outstanding in so many words. Has that been reported in many places? Of course not. Of course not. So it's politics all day and the filthiest, sleaziest kind of politics. While American citizens' lives are on the line. As they try to position themselves. As they try to position themselves. Natalie, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. 
Mark. Or um, Natalie, I'm sorry. That's okay. I was calling about the um, problem that they're saying that he's responsible for so many deaths during that hurricane. But I was under the impression, and I um, don't think I'm mistaken, that they have a very, very antiquated electrical grid in Puerto Rico. Yes, and they that, do. Yes, and that over years, many years back, we had been sending them money to upgrade and fix and and change their grid. Now, yes, we I'm have. Doing, okay, so they, they didn't do any of that, or they didn't do it efficiently. So when that hurricane hit them, I heard on the news or whatever, all, all throughout that they had zero power. Now, that's not our fault. And we, as sending FEMA in when we did, I also had heard that we sent them plenty of equipment to help get them, you know, uh, cleared out and whatever needed to be done. But that equipment can't operate without electricity. Well, so- but th- there's a whole lot of, of, of points here, and you're, and you're right on. Um, and if the electrical grid isn't working, uh, that is a problem in the, in, in the territory of Puerto Rico. And there are plenty of politicians there, and they run for office, they say they're going to fix things, and they don't. But I still get to the fact of we're talking about 3,000 people who perished. If they're going to keep throwing that around, wouldn't you like a breakdown? If we're going to really do a statistical thing, which is what the media insist on, wouldn't you want a breakdown on how they perished? Exactly. And I would bet you that some of them perished due to no electricity after being in that. You have elderly people in nursing homes and in that heat with no air conditioning. They're compromised. They can't endure that. How is that Donald Trump's fault? Uh, it enrages me. And I was online at a coffee shop today where um, young people were online, and one of the workers came out, and there was also a middle-aged woman, and he said, oh, did you hear what he said today? He said nobody died in the hurricane in Puerto Rico. And they're all laughing. And I said, that's not what he said. He did not say that. He said that... But, but, but why, why, why are we discussing Puerto Rico at all? When the damage that's taking place is in South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, looks like uh, Georgia and some of the other states and areas. Why are we discussing Puerto Rico? Why? Because the media and the Democrats brought it up and they wanted to use it as an example of the failures of Donald Trump in the lead up to this hurricane so they can bash him over the head in the lead up to the midterm elections. It is predictable, it is obvious, and it is disgusting. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Karen, Asheville, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Good, Mark. My husband's got to be jealous of you because I was cleaning the attic out one day and I found an old radio. And it's a power drum when we wind it. And ever since I heard you and Larry Elder, I've been hooked. And I see he's like, oh, my Lord, here she goes again. But here's the thing. Yeah. If the, okay, if the press, the stupid press, all three networks, the major networks, the lead up on them, showing how Trump has not officially uh, declared a death toll for 2,975 people. That's the lead up on CBS tonight. It's so aggravating, Mark. But the thing is, when it all comes down to it, Obama's out there and the media's out there giving credit to Obama for the economy, the um, job situation, everything's so great. Where's Obama taking credit for the infrastructure failures in the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico? Where is he taking credit for this? Mm-hmm. Where is well, he you're taking- right. Well, we know why. Because it's the Praetorian Guard media when Obama and leftists like him are in power. And it is the ideological progressive media who will attack any Republican. 
who's in power. Thank you for your call, Karen, and good luck there in North Carolina. Josh, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more with the ridiculous news rhetoric going on. Uh, last year, when we got hit with Irma here in Savannah, we had great federal relief. Um, and to your point for the local governments, they made us evacuate. I chose to stay. If I would have been killed, that's on me. That's not on the president. That's not on the government. Uh, you know, we had one death in Savannah because a tree fell on somebody's home. People are urged to evacuate. Uh, and then we have the 165th airlift wing here that runs back and forth to Puerto Rico for hurricane relief. So if they want verified news, maybe they should look there. You know, we have major storms going on, and I don't know why they like to bring this up at this time, but I think it's just... It's- I mean, let me, let me ask you a question while I have you, Josh. When the media, almost to a news outlet with very few exceptions, and they're attacked by the other media... When the media, really, with a, in the aggregate, with one voice, feels its mission is to make it extraordinarily difficult for the President of the United States to actually function as the President of the United States, then what is the purpose? They're just, you know, anything they can to blame for, to, to take away from his successes, they're going to do because they know the mainstream media is going to push every little piece of negative information about Donald Trump. Instead of focusing on not how our economy is, but, you know, what is he? He's doing a good job right now to, uh, as far as getting relief in for North Carolina, preparing for this storm. National Guard has been flying around doing training missions in the area. I don't see any news on that. You know, that's, you know, he is doing a good job thus far. 3,000 deaths in Puerto Rico? I, I, not, no, I don't believe that. Well, let's say it's 3,000. Let's say it's 5,000. I want to know why it's the president's fault. I want to know if they're going to throw numbers out like that and they're going to try and connect that to the president of the United States, as Gutierrez did and others, then they have an obligation to tell us how, how these uh, poor souls perished. No, because I, I suspect it had absolutely nothing to do with FEMA. No, it has to do with poor infrastructure from your local management down there in Puerto Rico. You know, they have they had aid from us. We've been funding. We did bonds. A certain percentage of people die. A certain fraction of people die because it is called a natural disaster. You can't. You and there's can't, nothing anybody can do. And then you have other people who perish. Again, perhaps because, as we've talked about, the uh, the electrical grid in Puerto Rico, which was such a disaster. And so people in hospitals and uh, nursing homes and so forth don't get the care that they need. And we can go on and on and on. But I'm just asking you, if the number is 3,000 and the media just keep pushing it out there because they have ice water for their veins, ice water in their veins, okay, well, then break it down. Who died from what? And why are we even discussing Puerto Rico? What does Puerto Rico have to do with North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, which are about to take the brunt of the hurricane. Exactly. How is this news? News is supposed to be something new, something informative, uh, something that's useful. How is this news? It, it baffles me. You know, I'm sure everybody was very... I mean, excited. maybe we ought to start asking the question, what the hell is news? Oh, I do every day. That's the only reason why I listen to you and the Fox News channel, because, you know, I can decide for myself, and you guys do report on facts, not just, you know... Well, somebody told me 3,000 people died in Puerto Rico. That must I don't come. pretend to be a news anchor. Everybody knows who I am and where I'm coming from. 
But I also don't sit here and lie through my teeth about events. I also don't sit here and pretend I'm some kind of a journalist, nonpartisan, bipartisan, and so forth and so on. I'm America first, all the time. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, I've had my share of mechanics calling me saying they found something wrong that needs replacing when I've taken my car in for a simple oil change. Those surprise high repair bills are terrible, especially when you're not covered by a manufacturer's warranty and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix them. That's why I recommend strongly extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Now, replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. So when you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. And CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car for free while yours is being fixed. So get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Get CarShield. Call 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. And mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. And either way, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100 and use code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply. All right, Mr. Producer, my uh, computer screen shut off, which uh, is uh, pretty much par for the course. Who shall I take? Who do you recommend? The great WMAL, Stephen Maryland, go. Hi, I'm visually impaired, so I get my news from you and other conservative people I listen to. And earlier today, I heard a government study that had data that showed the 36th worst hurricanes from 1930 to present went from an average of 3.2 in the 1930s down to now it's an average of a 2.4. So the strength of the hurricanes are actually going down. 3.2 to 2.4 is a 25% decrease in the strength over that time. Uh, Sir, did you hear this from Don Lemon on CNN? No, I did not. Did you hear it from Jake Tapper on CNN? No, sir. Did you hear it from Wolf Blitzer on CNN? No, sir. Did you hear it from Chris Cuomo on CNN? No, sir. Did you hear it from the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo on MSLSD? No. How about Rachel Madcow? Did you hear it from her? No, I did not. How about Chris? I'll have another drink, Matthews. No. So in other words, sir, you didn't hear it on the crap cable network or on MSLSD, either of them? No. I wonder why. Well, because it defeats their narrative. Yes, it does. I wonder if John Avalon, who's a complete moron, I wonder if he's aware of your study. Uh, He, He probably is, but he doesn't care. All right, my friend, thank you for your call, Mr. Producer. XM Satellite Andrew in the state of Illinois, the land of Lincoln and Little Dick Durbin. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I just wanted to say uh, hey to all, from all my trucker buddies. I, uh, we talk about you all the time at truck stops, and a bunch of us listen to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my point was, if, if the Democrats say that 
you know, Donald Trump is, is, is to blame for what happened in Puerto Rico. Why do they overlook the fact that government's to blame as a whole? Why is it not? Why is it just Trump? Why is it not the whole government? Why do they never blame the government? The same people that say, oh, it's the government, you know, it's Donald Trump's fault are the same people that push for bigger government. That's a very interesting point. And your point is uh, we have a massive federal government. It's into everything. And if the liberals are right, that if it's FEMA's fault, and they're wrong, but if they're right, if we play along, then how can they continue to support this massive government? You know what they would say? It's just not big enough. That's what they would say. Of course, we didn't get enough money, you know. We didn't, yeah, we didn't exactly. devote enough money to climate change. We didn't devote enough money to this and that. At the end of the day, you can devote as much money as you want to. But government's always going to let people down, no matter how, no matter how you look at it. They do it time and time again. Every time they do it, they just push for bigger government and more regulations. Very, very good point, my trucker friend. You take care of yourself out there. All right, folks, I shall return. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, now we have another quote-unquote controversy. Involving Brett Kavanaugh. And you notice how all the Bushies who supported Brett Kavanaugh are basically hiding under their blankets now. This is what they do. This is what they do. Brett Kavanaugh served President George W. Bush. In his position at the White House, they would have done a security check of his background, which takes at least six months where the FBI goes through everything. They want to know what elementary school you attended, what middle school you attended, what high school you attended. They want to know about your college. They want to know, you know, where you lived, how you lived, names of neighbors, names of landlords, names of professors, names of fellow students. And it goes on. It's a very expensive and uh, arduous process. But in order to serve a president of the United States as his, in essence, secretary, where so many things go through you and you, you organize so much of the president's day, you also receive classified uh, information. So you have to have that kind of clearance. And so Kavanaugh did. Kavanaugh would later become, as you know, a circuit court judge in Washington, D.C., now, in order to become a federal judge, the same thing happens. A very broad and deep security background check is done. Because the President of the United States wants to know who's nominating him. And Congress, the Senate in particular, wants to know who is this guy or gal. We don't want to reprobate, you know, like so many of the senators themselves. Then when you're nominated for the United States Supreme Court, as Kavanaugh has been, it happens again. There's this heavy-duty vetting process. So it's happened at least three times to this man. At least three times. 
and they found nothing. And yet we get this today. I shall read from something called Law and Crime, a decent website. Some important questions about Dianne Feinstein's referral of Brett Kavanaugh's letter to the FBI. And you're probably, what is that all about? Matt Nahum writing. Well, the Brett Kavanaugh news cycle has ramped up again, and it's being reported that Senator Dianne Frankenfeinstein has forwarded a letter she received to the FBI about, quote, possible sexual misconduct, unquote. And by the way, this is where the Democrats always go. Like they did with Clarence Thomas and they do with others. This is where they always go. And yet, look around at all the perpetrators working for the media. Uh, look at the ones with the uh, little cover-up operations using your tax dollars on Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. Possible sexual misconduct between Kavanaugh and a woman back in high school. In high school. This raises a few obvious questions, especially about the timing of it all. Now, apparently, a California woman reportedly sent a letter to Representative Anna Eshoo. She is a left-wing kook Democrat that represents Silicon Valley. About Kavanaugh. Eshoo then forwarded this letter to Senator Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein has since referred the letter to the FBI, a fact confirmed by other Democrats. Now, ladies and gentlemen, she received this letter in July. Last time I checked today is September 13th. Am I right about that, Mr. Producer? So the entire process has been completed. The chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Grassley, wanted to have a vote on it in the next day or two. Now the Democrats are saying, hey, look, we can't have a vote. We need to clear this up. Now, keep something in mind. Feinstein has apparently not shared the information in the letter with any Democrat. That's the claim. So the other Democrats don't even know what the issue is or the allegation or whether on its face it's worthy. But they're thrown in with Feinstein. And Feinstein won't share the information. She sends it to the FBI. Why did Feinstein send the information to the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Why? Well, I don't know why. If some crime was committed, the statute of limitations would have run, right? They were in high school. If some crime was committed, at all. And if some crime was committed, wouldn't it even be a state matter? I don't know. BuzzFeed has been working on this story for a while, writes David Latt in a tweet since last week. BuzzFeed News contacted the woman believed to be the subject of the letter at her home last week. She declined to comment. So now we have a secret letter that has been sent to the FBI. And BuzzFeed believe they've identified the woman's lawyer as Deborah Katz. The lawyer believed to be representing the woman was seen leaving Capitol Hill Wednesday. Shortly after the Intercept story, Intercept story, another site, dropped, the, uh, and, ju- uh, dropped and just as Judiciary Committee uh, Democrats were huddling in the Senate lobby. The lawyer, Deborah Katz, has not confirmed that she's representing the woman. She also declined to comment Wednesday, saying there's nothing to say. So again, bear in mind that this news dropped after the Senate Judiciary Committee in a series of party-line votes rejected Democrats' efforts on Thursday 
to subpoena documents and testimony into Judge Kavanaugh's years as a top White House aide under President George W. Bush. So first you have Cory Booker violating the Senate rules and revealing confidential documents multiple times. Now you have Dianne Feinstein with this confidential letter. She refers it to the FBI. So I guess it's not so confidential, the reference anyway. And now we're all supposed to wait because the letter was not used during the course of the hearing. This is how they set up Clarence Thomas, by the way. This is what they did. So on the eve of the confirmation vote, actually his confirmation, Senator Feinstein, who had this letter since July, pulls the trigger now. And so the vote has been pushed back to September 20th. Now what the left will do is they'll put enormous pressure on Susan Collins because she's weak. She's a leftist. And she could potentially buckle to this. Is this how you want your Congress to operate, ladies and gentlemen? Is this how you want your Senate to operate? The Democrat Party is a clown show. All the clowns on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Democrats, you saw. Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Dick Durbin, and so forth and so on. This woman insisted on confidentiality. That's the same game they played during the uh, Clarence Thomas hearings. So now this federal appellate court judge, his wife and his kids, have to hear this stuff. They have to hear this stuff. So, uh, Dianne Feinstein now, who's running for re-election, holds the key to everything. Is that about right? I'm telling you, uh, these are these are different times. These are very dark times in this country. I'll be right back. Lovin. Let's talk about impeaching the President of the United States with no constitutional basis whatsoever. Why isn't there ever any discussion, except behind this microphone, about expelling members of Congress? We have Cory Booker, who knowingly and repeatedly violated the rules of the United States Senate. The punishment of which can lead to everything up to expulsion. Why isn't that on the table? We now have Dianne Feinstein, who's pulled a stunt. Sends a letter to the FBI. The FBI has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. In order to draw great attention to what she's done. And then she repeats it. It's confidential. A letter she's had since July. And how does a a nominee even defend him or herself? How does a nominee even respond to such things? So why isn't the issue of expulsion relevant to Dianne Feinstein now? Who has sought to completely eviscerate the confirmation process. I mean, how much more of this should the American people take? Understand, this is your country. It's your Supreme Court. These people work for you. These politicians on Capitol Hill who pull these stunts and play these games, 
They're undermining you. They're undermining your representation. They're undermining your Constitution. And I think we've all about had enough of it. But it's always the Democrats. I don't remember any Republicans pulling the sexual assault, sexual molestation card. Do you? Which one? Did they pull it on Ruth Bader Ginsburg? They wouldn't dare. On Sotomayor, they wouldn't dare. On Kagan, they wouldn't dare. On Breyer, they wouldn't dare. Clarence Thomas was at the uh, Federalist Society last week. And uh, listen to this. This is from C-SPAN. Cut 10, go. But you just think about it. How many people can you use in leadership positions today? The word that I used about Greg. Honorable. Honorable. Not the honorable. Honorable. If we could use that word about more people who are in public light, people who actually ask the questions at confirmation hearings instead of Spartacus, we use... (laughs) Had to get that in there. Just had to get that in there. Hey, look, 300, but at any rate... (laughs) But if we could use the word honorable more often... Think about the difference it'll make. Then you'll have a legacy. We will have left the country in better shape morally, uh, structurally, than we found it. But as long as we're looking at our interests or scoring points or looking cute or being on TV or the greenhouse effect or what editorials we're getting, especially the legal system, how do we maintain it? If you can't debate hard issues honestly, with honor, with integrity, how do we keep a civil society? We don't. And he's right on. We don't. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg is troubled by what she's saying. Cut 11, go. Or think of Justice Scalia, who is certainly a known character in, what was it, 1986? He, He had been... A law professor and written many things. He was, he had been on the D.C. Circuit. And the vote was unanimous. Every Democrat and every Republican voted for him. But that's the way it should be. Instead of what has become a highly partisan show. Um, the Republicans move in lockstep, and so do the Democrats. I wish I could wave a ma- magic wand and have it go back to the way it, the way it was. You know, ladies and gentlemen, and I say this with absolute respect, no animus whatsoever. This woman should not be on the court any longer. You heard her. They build her up in the culture, which is run by the left, pretty much. They build her up as this rock star, which is uh, unseemly to begin with. She's a justice. But it's clear she can barely function. But they don't care. She's a reliable left-wing vote. If we had a constitutionalist in the court who was 
talking the way she was in a haunt, haunting way and so forth, uh, you know they'd be demanding that individual's impeachment by now. They like impeachment now. Instead of actual elections and appointments, they're, they're into impeachment. Uh, but she's right to a point. I mean, I don't think uh, most justices today or nominees would get a unanimous vote, but they ought to get a significant majority. They should get a significant majority. But here we go through this really detestable game that the Democrats play when it comes to the Supreme Court. They smeared Bork, they smeared Thomas, and now they're smearing Kavanaugh. I can't think of a single Democrat nominee to the Supreme Court, certainly not in recent times, who's been treated this way. Well, you know, Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland wasn't treated this way. Obama nominated somebody near the end of his term because he wanted to pack the court. And the Republicans said no. Donald Trump's turn goes on more than two more years, whether you leftists like it or not. But Obama wanted to pack the court on the way out. He didn't get to do it. Shortly before he was to leave the presidency. And the Republicans controlled the Senate. They said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give a gift to Obama. We know exactly what kind of you know, play this is. That's not going to happen. So this isn't the end of Donald Trump's second term. It's really in the first half of Donald Trump's first term. And so uh, we have another spectacle. And that is the uh, the attempt to destroy this Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I haven't been as hot on him as some people have, but I do think he should be confirmed. But I, I absolutely agree that everything that we've been able to see and everything we've heard and all the people who've spoken up for him, this man clearly is qualified to be a Supreme Court justice. And from every angle we've heard so far is a thoroughly decent family man and if he wasn't if he did something in high school that merits an FBI investigation of course I doubt the FBI will investigate it that's just another game well how is it the FBI didn't find it the first go round when he worked for George Bush how is it the FBI didn't find it the second go round when he was nominated to be a, a federal judge on the on the DC circuit and how is it the FBI didn't find it on the third go round when he was nominated this time to be on the Supreme Court how is it these people just pop up out of nowhere with their allegations and the democrats don't care again look at feinstein's motives she got that letter in July she didn't put it to the test you know Schumer had to know about this you know Durbin had to know about this it's a plan so why shouldn't Feinstein be expelled and why shouldn't Corker uh, excuse me yeah him too Booker be expelled I'll be right back Powerful conservative voice. 
The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ABC News is reporting that Paul Manafort and special counsel, Mueller, have reached a tentative plea agreement. Former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort has tentatively agreed to a plea deal with special counsel Robert Mueller that will head off his upcoming trial in Washington, D.C. The deal is expected to be announced in court Friday, but it remains unclear whether Manafort has agreed to cooperate with prosecutors or is simply conceding to a guilty plea, which would allow him to avoid the stress and expense of a trial, according to three sources with knowledge of discussions. Manafort and his most senior defense attorney spent more than four hours Thursday in discussions with a team of special prosecutors who were involved in the ongoing investigation into whether there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. ABC News spotted the team arriving in a dark, uh, whatever. You can kill the music, so that's where we are. That's where we are. There's... uh, There's an identity theft protection company I've been telling you about since the beginning of this year, and I really hope you have decided to use their stellar personal service. The company is My ID Care. They don't advertise a lot because until recently, they protected Fortune 500 companies for years. Not too long ago, they started offering their best-in-class service directly to consumers, and they asked me to partner with them. So I tried them out, and boy, let me tell you, I've learned a lot. I'm so impressed with the fact that my ID care protects for the nine types of identity theft that I sign my family up to. My ID care also monitors the credit bureaus and the dark web so you don't have to. And Tom Kelly, the CEO, is a genius at personal ID protection, and he stands by you. Only my ID care offers a money back recovery guarantee. Learn more, and then let my ID care take care of you. My listeners also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Just enter promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. All right, let's take some calls here. Let's see. Uh, let me pull it up, if I may. Sirius Satellite, Kevin in Colorado. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. It's great to get a chance to talk to you. I've been trying to get through for a while. Thank you. Uh, I have a question regarding the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, members. How are they chosen for these committees? Are they voted on by their peers, or is there another means by which they end up on these committees? Say that again. I couldn't hear you very well. Uh, Hello? The the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Um, the Senate Judiciary Committee people, yeah. how are they chosen? Well, the, the, each party chooses them. They have a method for choosing them. The, uh, each party chooses the senators. I don't think that would change anything because, you know, Schumer's in charge of the Democrats. Right. So really the only way to, to render some of this foolishness moot is to get out and vote some of these people out of office. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the, the Republicans have a majority on the Senate Judiciary Committee now. And, you know, Feinstein, is, is she's either going to win or she's going to be replaced by another Democrat in this screwed-up system they have in California. So, uh, you know, this goes to integrity, as uh, Clarence Thomas was talking about. It also goes to virtue. 
And, um, you know, many of our founders talked about this, the framers, too. It doesn't matter how we write a constitution, they said. If the people lack virtue and their officials lack virtue, there's nothing we can do. And what's happening is there's a growing number of people within this country who want to burn the place down. Who want to burn the society down. It's just, uh, it's just the way it is. Thank you for your call, my friend. Scott, Staten Island, the great WABC. Hey Mark, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, about, I got to ask you, I, 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 about this Puerto Rico garbage. I don't mean to say garbage, but with, you know, with they keep coming out with... You mean the garbage. allegations, yes. Yes, exactly. Okay, if there were 3,000 people that perished... Where are they, number one? Number two, that many people passing away, dying, there would have been news coverage of funerals, of wakes. All right, thanks for your call. I'm not doing conspiracy stuff. I don't doubt that 2,900 and some people died. It's not the point. These these natural disasters are killers. And... uh, the point is, how can you hold FEMA and the President of the United States responsible for it? And that is, that is something we now have a right to know. We have a right to know how these folks passed away, each one of them. If George Washington University did a study, then the study needs to tell us, uh, because their study is being used by the media and the Democrats, to try and uh, attack the President in the middle of another hurricane. Wayne. Montclair, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, there's no reason to accept these Democrats' same old insane comments. I mean, every time it's, they are responsible for their failures. What caused those 3,000 deaths? You have to use their logic. Who caused the 3,000 deaths? The Democrats. Oh, they come ran. on, will you? Thanks for you. The Democrats didn't cause 3,000 deaths. The Republicans didn't cause 3,000 deaths. The president didn't cause 3,000 deaths, which is my point. This is just ridiculous. I'm not going to sink to their level. Quentin, Durango, Colorado, the great KBGO. Go ahead. Hey, Mark. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you, first of all. Um, I just, for the last year, I've been hearing about, you know, the hurricane this, hurricane that. My wife and I actually vacationed down there over the spring, and we spent a day on the island. And from the time we left the ship and boarded the tour bus, the tour bus guide was just constantly corrupt the government was. And it was like almost like a daily running joke down there. The people really didn't talk about the hurricane. Uh, the people were in good spirits. And the whole time we were, the whole day we were there touring the island, I never not once heard anyone badmouth Trump. So when you see these people on the television, they're government officials and everything, it just I'm just reminded of that day and how everyone was telling us to, how corrupt their government was and how we had to come back to America and let everybody know how corrupt their government was. All right, sir. I appreciate your call. Sam, Memphis, Tennessee on Sirius Satellite. Go ahead. Hi, Mark. I'm going to turn my radio down. Uh, the bottom line is, this whole thing in opposing Kavanaugh, is it, a sham. They're throwing this stuff up there. They know they can't win. Kavanaugh is going to get confirmed. 
they are just setting the groundwork so that they can say in the future, any of the rulings that he makes, any of his opinions that he makes, they're going to say, we told you so. We told you so. They know they can't win this. They're just trying to lay the groundwork to undermine his credibility. Well, I don't necessarily, uh, that I agree with, but if they think they can turn Susan Collins and then get two or three others to go with her, um, that's also what they're trying to do. Well, that may be true, but I just feel like they know they can't win this. He's going to get confirmed, and they just want to... No, I understand what you said. You don't need to repeat it. I understand your point, but I'm also telling you that they are working hard on Susan Collins, and they're hoping she'll buckle. But uh, your point is not wrong. All right, thank you for your call. Dave, Sacramento, California, XM Satellite. Go ahead. Mr. Levin, thank you for taking my call. Um, okay. My, com- my comments are about Ms. Feinstein. Um, she was in a, a, a re-election battle in California. She's losing to her uh, opponent, Kevin. His name is really Leon, but he changed it to DeLeon so he could sound more Hispanic. Uh, the left doesn't like her. The Democratic Party did not endorse her. Uh, secondly, uh, this is an attempt by the Democratic Party to get those um, senators that are in those uh, uh, states that have tough re-election campaigns, the Donnellys, the, the Claire McCaskills, uh, a chance to be able to uh, say, hey, I can't vote for this guy. Uh, they were going to turn. They may or may not right now. That's my comment. All right, sir. Appreciate your call. Zeke, a trucker friend, West Virginia, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Hey, good evening, uh, Admiral Levin, Admiral of the Airways. Simplify to you, sir. Hey, Thank this, you. I want to tell you something. The, the Democrats are lying so bad. The Trump administration has been being so proactive. I just recently tweeted you a copy of the letter of exemption for all the states that are involved for supplies going in ahead of time. I'm up here picking up propane up here in West Virginia and Ohio and stuff like that. They're running it down into North Carolina as well as gasoline and stuff like that. And not only have they put in a letter of exemption because of the hours of service restrictions that we normally have, they've lifted them as well as weight requirements in some of the states so that they can get the supplies there quicker and more efficiently. Also, another thing is this guy talking about the EPA and stuff like that. But let me tell you what, they closed a lot of the plants down there so that they wouldn't have natural disasters. And in order to compensate for them closing the plants of the gasoline plants, some of them, and the propane plants and stuff like that, they opened it up so that other drivers could drive down there and take the products in, as well as water and plywood and all that. If you look at the copy of the exemption that I sent you, you will be able to see exactly what I'm talking about, sir. So the administration has lifted these exemptions uh, to make it easier to get uh, resources and material down to the people who need it. Yes, well ahead of time. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. We appreciate your call. I love our truckers who listen to this program. They know exactly what's going on here. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Emergencies strike. Recently, we've seen a couple of hurricanes, some flooding and numerous wildfires. Disasters for many. Widespread disasters can strike, too. Earthquakes, solar flares, cyber attacks can knock out electric power 
for millions for weeks, maybe months. Now, when there's no power, refrigeration fails, stores close, then what? You need a plan to make sure there's food in your home stocked away for an emergency. I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage, and you should too. Each person in your household should have at least a two-week emergency food supply from my Patriot Supply. This week, they're offering a special price of only $75 for a food kit that contains 92 servings of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Call 800-294-2325 or go to my special website, preparewithmark.com. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage, only $75. That includes a rugged tote. Order now, 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. Keith, San Francisco, KSFO, go ahead. Mark, I want to tell you I am appalled and disgusted by what Dianne Feinstein is doing. It's the same thing that Senator Howard Metzenbaum did to Clarence Thomas, and I have a personal history. When I was young, liberal, and utopian, before I read your books, I was on the staff of Senator Howard Metzenbaum. And I left Senator Metzenbaum's staff to get back to school, go on with other things in my life, and over the years I gradually woke up to the failures of liberalism. But as you know, it was Senator Howard Metzenbaum who came up with this, uh, with Anita Hill, this absolute smear campaign that they used at the last minute. And that's what they're doing again now with this anonymous letter. And Dianne Feinstein, the great feminist, knows exactly what she's doing with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, she does. 84 years uh, old, trying to hold on to power. It's unbelievable. Well, I got to tell you, I'm not drawing attention to myself, but I, I, I wrote a book that's now out of print, so I, I stand to gain nothing from this. I wrote a book about the turning points in which I left to the left, and one of them was a, t- was a chapter called uh, the, the Fall and Rise of Clarence Thomas. And uh, my book, I won't even name the book. I don't need to. Cause again, you can name the book. That's fine. Okay, it was called Leaving the Left, Moments in the News that Made Me Ashamed to Be a Liberal. And one of those moments, Mark, one of those moments was when so-called the hustlers known as civil rights leaders came out and actually said, we can't have Clarence Thomas on the court because he doesn't think like a black man. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I became a liberal because I didn't think we asked how black people think. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought we believed in Martin Luther King. So here's a funny little angle on this. Ginny Thomas, the wife of Clarence Thomas, was in the bookstore, I believe, with Clarence. She saw this book, and she picked it up called Leaving the Left. She saw there was a chapter on Clarence Thomas. She invited me to come and bring my eight-year-old son to the Supreme Court anytime I wanted Mm -hmm. to meet the the Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, and we did. I haven't been in touch with Clarence Thomas since then, and I have great respect for him, but what Dianne Feinstein is doing is absolutely appalling. All right, my friend, I appreciate it. Let's go to Chris, Farmersville, Illinois, uh, the great WTRH. Go. Hey, good morning. Oh, good morning, joking. Good evening for you, Mark. Um, yes, sir. I want to bring out this whole climate change fallacy. All right, you and I know, and if half the United States doesn't know where the world, then they have their head buried in the sand. The Earth has been going through climate change since it was formed and created. Long after we're gone, it's going to go through climate change again until the sun turns into a dwarf star and basically envelops the whole Earth. There's a doctor, and his name is Roy Spencer. 
Yeah, of course, I know who he is. Okay. Why are all these people on the left... I mean, it's blaming Trump. Does he have a weather machine that he controls? Because the they House? hate him. Because yeah, it's I, now, it, well, you asked the question. It's now uh, instinctive. And you can see it all over the media. I've never seen anything like it. It's embarrassing. I mean, I, Joe Scarborough, I would just like to, to reach the TV and slap him on his face and say, you used to be friends of Trump. You were so far up Trump's butt, you guys were best buddies. That's right. Now you just want to take him down. And does he actually believe the crap he's spewing out of his mouth? I mean, how can he? It doesn't matter. He does it. And he does it every day, and he gets paid a whole lot of money to do it. You know what I hope Trump does? He gets rid of Sessions after the elections, and he puts a call out to you. No, well, I wouldn't do it, but I appreciate it, buddy. I really do. Let us go to Sherry in Flippin, Arkansas. Is is, is that an actual town? It is. Okay. Uh, Home of Ranger Boats. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, My question is about the Supreme Court in Article 3, where it says that the justices shall only serve during times of good behavior. So what is the procedure or protocol, and who decides what good behavior is? Okay, well, you know, they tried to impeach a uh, justice, uh, Simon Chase. Um, they tried to impeach a justice, uh, or, or uh, Thomas Jefferson was behind a move to do so. And uh, he failed. And so uh, he tried to impeach him because they felt that his opinion was so off the mark that he should be able to be removed. And that failed. And from that time forward, it was, it's been the tradition that that's not the basis for impeaching a judge or a justice. Uh, so to answer your question, it's, it's clearly more significant than whether or not you agree or disagree with an opinion. I'm not speaking about an opinion. It's when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, said that Egypt should not look to our Constitution. And if she doesn't believe in that, is that not bad? Well, apparently you are talking about an opinion, not even a written opinion, just a voiced opinion. Well, if we start down that road, ma'am, you can see that they'd be impeaching our guys, we'd be impeaching their guys, and the next thing we have pitchforks and all the rest of it. I'm just not going there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, uh, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. I, um, yeah, yeah, being rich are kind of like trying to figure out what uh, what to tell you. You know, uh, Mark doesn't ever. He tries to never leave his show ever, especially he doesn't uh, leave in the middle of the show. So um, we'll get you uh, some more details as they come in. But I am out of the bullpen, your handy-dandy fill-in host, Dan Bongino. And Rich is like, you want to come on? I'm like, yeah, sure. How long do I have? You got about two minutes. So what can Dan Bongino put together for the Mark Levin show in two minutes? Don't you worry. I've always got material at the ready. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I really do. I keep like a book of 
interesting items I find in the news. You like that, Rich? The bullpen material. I'm not just the bullpen host. I got bullpen material, too. I'm going to try to fit in a lot of stuff, actually, in this hour. I usually put it in a three-hour show, but given the um, quickness, I had to jump on the air. We'll stack this into an hour. So uh, let's uh, let's hit topic number one here. Um, Listen, I live down here in Florida. As many of you know, I live in Palm City, which I love. One of the greatest places on earth. And we deal with hurricanes down here all the time. I mean, I've only been here three years. I'm not claiming to be like Captain Hurricane. Like, I've been through all this stuff. I, you know, listen, they're all uniquely tragic events and people who've been through a lot worse down here. You talk to the people in Florida where I live, and I think it was Gene and Francis that were the two bad ones for them. You talk to people a little further down south in Broward. Obviously, Andrew was cataclysmic down here. These are very serious events. You talk to people in the Keys. It was Irma. Uh, but Florida deals with these uh, hurricanes all the time. Um, these are really, really horrible events. You have wind damage. You have rain damage. You have water damage. You have people who are uh, dislocated from their homes. You have people who lose treasured items, whether they're photos, sometimes their entire homes, uh, money, cars, all kinds of stuff. People, some people lose their lives in these hurricanes. Politicizing these events, and the reason I bring this up, um, candidly speaking, is just disgusting. It's just gross. I bring that up because this hurricane that's going to be very serious, it's going to come ashore in the Carolinas, Florence. Uh, the high winds are already, but they've already seen some coastal damage here. Hasn't even come ashore yet. And already you have people, not only in the media space, but Democrats and even some swamp rats looking to unbelievably, disgustingly pin this on the president, Donald Trump. I don't understand like how deranged of a human being you have to be with your first instinct where people who live in the coastal Carolinas are looking at severe damage, severe trauma to their lives right now, like they've been, some of, many of them have left, have evacuated, where your first instinct is how do I score political points by blaming Donald Trump for a hurricane tragedy, one, a hurricane that hadn't even hit shore when a lot of these articles hit. Folks, if you think I'm making any of this up, just look at the headlines. There was an, a psychotic Washington Post op-ed that actually claimed Donald Trump was complicit in this hurricane somehow. I don't know how he did that. Is he like the Aquaman of what is he? What, what was that character from the X-Men? Storm? Where, you know Storm? The Halle Berry played her in the movie where, where, where she like she does that thing with her eyes and then lightning and thunder. I mean, how do you think he was complicit in this? Have, have, we, have we really, have we reached the point of utter ridiculosity and absurdity where a catastrophic weather event is now the fault of the president himself because you think you can score a few political points. Folks, this is really, this is sick stuff. Did you hear the comments of Luis Gutierrez, the representative from, uh, from Illinois? Where he's already, again, this hasn't even hit sure, it hadn't by the time he made his comments. It's, of course, coming ashore now, a lot of these high winds. And Gutierrez is already saying that the response was inadequate because Donald Trump is too busy looking for the writer of the op-ed. Folks, this is, this is utter insanity. I mean, insanity. This is the kind of stuff where you should really seek a professional intervention for. You have panelists on MSNBC, again, looking to score a, a, a cheap political hit against Donald Trump for the response to a hurricane. You have this narrative out there now. 
And listen, I'm going to be candid with you and I'm going to be straight, however it may bother you. This narrative out there now that we're going to relitigate what happened in Puerto Rico to make sure that it makes Donald Trump look awful. You can disagree with his response however you want on Twitter. But I'm going to be very straight with you on this. I don't have any issue at all with him fighting back and defending the federal response he made when the media is relitigating a tragic, horrible event, not to find out what went wrong and to make it better in the future. That's not what they're doing. They're doing it again right now, inconveniently right now, while there's a hurricane barreling ashore here to make sure that the storyline sets in that Donald Trump is incompetent. That's the only reason they're doing this. And they're waiting for the swamp rat class to jump on board and say, oh, look, Donald Trump responded in a tweet. Well, what do you expect the guy to do? You're blaming him for the deaths of 3,000 Puerto Ricans. I don't understand what you want him to do. What, What do you expect him to do? We already know about the catastrophic response over there that led to the deaths of a lot of these people. There was the, the electrical grid was, was busted in Puerto Rico before the hurricane even hit land. There were known problems with the distribution of logistics on the ground. This was not uh, the, the president of the United States' fault. What do you want him to do? Folks, we've, you know, we've, we've almost learned on this side to be helpless. When the media puts these narratives out there, where they go fish with these narratives, let's just throw us all up against the wall. Let's see what, what, what you know. Let's see what, what, what connects and what sticks. Right? Let's throw a narrative out there that the massive death toll in Puerto Rico, which was unquestionably, un, unquestionably, full stop, tragic, no doubt about it, and we should be looking at the response to all of this. But let's throw a narrative out there that it was Trump's fault. And then you have this swamp rat class in Washington, D.C. that goes, oh, that's a good way to damage Trump. Matter of fact, there's a hurricane coming ashore now. So if we, if we keep propagandizing people and telling them it's Trump's fault, maybe we'll get them to believe he's entirely incompetent. And we have this helpless class in Washington, D.C. that just absolutely refuses to fight back. And any time Donald Trump says anything in his own defense, what happens? The media chattering class and the swamp rat class jumps on board and says, oh, look, this is Donald Trump's fault. Folks, listen, I'm not the president of the United States. I ran for office. I lost. Donald Trump won the presidency. His first time out of the shoot. But I don't know where you're getting the idea that you're going to disingenuously blame him for a human tragedy, no doubt. But you're going to blame him and he's just going to sit back and take it because you said so. I'm not really sure where you got that idea. But there's no historical evidence given Donald Trump's known penchant for being a brawler that he was going to allow you to get away with that. And what they do is, and I'm I'm, I'm going to give you a little warning sign in a minute on this. What they do is, you'll see the warnings building on social media. A Washington Post will write an op-ed. A couple of liberal goofs will retweet it on Twitter. Oh, this is outrage. But this is the first time I have ever seen a preemptive outrage campaign. Where I've seen an outrage campaign about a response to a hurricane that didn't even reach the shore yet. I've never seen this before. I I was trying to keep a list today in my head on, on um, my other show. I was trying to keep a list in my head of the outrage campaigns. And if I'm missing any, uh, feel free to call in. 
The outrage, we had the outrage campaign over the travel ban. We had the outrage campaign over North Korea, the outrage campaign over Helsinki, the outrage campaign over the, uh, the, uh, ch- the childhood separations that had actually happened under the Obama administration and started there. We had what else? There was more. I know there's more outrage campaigns. I just had to jump on the air with a few minutes. So I can't think of them all right now. I had those notes, but they're my papers are all over the place. I don't have time to get organized. But this is the first preemptive outrage campaign I've heard against the Trump team where the hurricane has not even reached the shore yet. And they were already destroying Donald Trump and his response to it. This is I mean, this is sadly this disgustingly where our politics are right now. You want to talk about a divided country where we can't even agree that when American citizens are in the path of a deadly storm, that we should probably all collectively get together and say, hey, how can we help? No, that's not what the other side says. They say, how can we pin this on Donald Trump to score a few cheap political points? I mean, are we serious? This is the best we can do. This is the best we've got. Folks, my father up in New York when he was, he's not there anymore. He's, he's in Carolina now, North Carolina, actually. He's in Cary, though, which is inland a bit. But my father was up in New York dealing with Hurricane Sandy. Excuse me, Superstorm Sandy, I want to be precise. But Barack Obama was in office. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who lived through it, I did not. I was in Maryland at the time. That was a disaster. People couldn't get gas. Um, my father's mother-in-law, my father remarried. They needed oxygen, Uh they were having a tough time finding it. They couldn't find a hotel room. They were having a tough time fueling up any of their emergency vehicles. He had worked at the buildings department at the time. Folks, Superstorm Sandy was a real disaster. It was a disaster that impacted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And still done. By the way, the reconstruction effort from that is not completely done. Believe me when I tell you the response to that was not seamless. But was the first instinct by the mainstream media to blame Barack Obama? No, it was to cover for Barack Obama. And listen, I'm not suggesting we should have blamed Obama. I'm just telling you that the instinct now to blame Donald Trump for a storm that by the time they were doing it hadn't even hit land yet is really a new low in a series of new lows and the breaking through the floor of new lows that I never I thought we had hit the bedrock of lowness. We apparently haven't. We're now we've broken through bedrock. We're now headed towards new loads towards the center of the earth. All right, I'm going to take a break. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in on Hour 3 for the great one. Um, Anything else, I'll certainly let you know, but that was uh, that was one of those like, hey, you got to come in out of the bullpen, but I haven't warmed up. It's like, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry. Throw some knuckleballs. You don't really have to warm up for the knuckleball. You know, remember Phil Necro? The knuckleball was like 50 miles an hour. Everybody thought they could hit it. You'd get up there, Necro would throw it in there, and the thing would be all over the place. You could never hit that thing. When Phil Negro and his brother, was Joe Negro was his brother, when they were at the top of their game, you could never hit that knuckleball. So before the break, <laughs> sorry, folks, when you get like 10 seconds to fill in, you know, you got to, sometimes you, what do you, what do you call it in the industry? Filler? Filler, Rich? You got to like put together your thoughts a little bit. So you learn how to do that kind of stuff. All right. Let me take a call. What'd you say, Gloria? Let's go to Gloria. Gloria, what do you got for us? You're on with Dan Bongino. 
Oh, hi. Hi, Mr. Regino. I, am I bet you thought you were going to talk to Mark, right? Let me take a sip of water. Here. So I, just, I was eating Chipotle when Rich called me, and I had like a half a gallon of adobo on it, and I didn't have anything to drink, so I'm super dehydrated right now. So what do you got for us tonight? You may hear a slurping sound. just me drinking some water. Well, uh, yeah, I'm probably from Puerto Rico, actually. And I was here during the Maria, and I stayed in the island since Maria, and I will stay here in the island. And and it's so appalling to hear um, the press and the politicians over in Washington, D.C., helping cover up what's incompetence and it's uh, corruption with the politicians in the island. I mean, what they are doing is not helping the island. It's covering up for things that should not have happened because... Yes, a lot of people died. A lot of people died because the infrastructure is no good. Not good at all. And the generators in the hospitals didn't work. The generators in the hospitals ran out of diesel. Uh, there are generators in other institutions with the same. So that's what pe- a lot of the people died. It was actually people in hospitals. And unfortunately, uh, in a big medical center here, for months, and I don't think, I don't know, they still have them. There are vans of dead people. No. <laughs> yeah, they were holding them. Yes. The freezers. Oh, my gosh. But uh, so many people died, and they didn't know what to do with them. Gloria, so, let me ask you something. I'll be it, given that you have direct on the ground experience over there. I've been covering this for the last couple of days, the logistical failures in Puerto Rico, because of, listen, I, and I mean this, Gloria, I'm not looking in any way to pin the blame on this, but I am looking for answers because if we as a human race are going to continue to learn from our mistakes, we want to find out what went wrong. And if you just do a basic Google search of the logistics problems afterwards, after Maria left the island, I was hearing stories and these stories are out there by credible news outlets. This is not, um, you know, some crazy, you know, site here. These are real legitimate news outlets that reported on, Things like cases of water left on the runway to rot, food supplies that were being hoarded and stolen, some that were being left in warehouses, um, power companies, um, and and some other companies that had hoarded uh, uh, basically rescue equipment. I, I mean, is this is this the kind of story that was getting out on the ground over there, or was the story let's just blame Donald Trump? No, no, this is what real, that was. That's what exactly what happened. And uh, as a matter of fact, about. Three weeks ago, they found containers hidden within the mountains full of supplies. Supplies that were sent to Puerto Rico. Oh, my God. For the Puerto Ricans that never got to anybody because they were stolen. Um, yeah, I mean, Gloria, there were, they, and nobody's questioning um, that the response was inadequate. And again, I'm really not looking to make any kind of a political beef, unlike they're trying to make uh, with Donald Trump. But if someone at the local level who was responsible for getting this stuff out there hoarded the supplies, um, didn't in fact distribute them, um, then these people need to be held accountable. We need to know what happened for the future. And I, again, I just wanted to be sure that your account on the ground corresponds with that. And it appears um, it does. So, Gloria, thanks for the call. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, again, folks, like I said before, uh, before we went to the to the break here. What's really sad about this new era of politics, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm not trying to. Oh, let's go back to the halcyon days, uh, <laughs> you know, when when politics was so nice and kind and friendly. I mean, uh, you know, we have the Aaron Burr story, so I don't want to be dramatic, but I'm, I'm only 43. 
And in my short 43 years on the planet, of which about 39 of them I've been in, uh, there to you know, have a have conscious memory of, I have never, ever seen anything like this, ever, where, again, a storm hasn't even hit land yet, hasn't even hit land, and we're preemptively blaming the sitting president of the United States for a response that hasn't happened. You know... We I, here's a quick list of the things Donald Trump's been accused of. I put this together for a, a a prior piece I was working on. This is a short list of it, and you can add to this failures to a hurricane response that hasn't even hit yet. He's been accused of treason, conspiracy, mob ties. I'm not making this up, by the way. This is about. I'm not even talking about the the freak shows. I'm talking about mainstream outlets that have talked about this: money laundering, gang ties. Russian collusion, conspiracy with the Russians. That's one, two, three, four. What is that? Seven. That's seven serious crimes. One, by the way, treason punishable by death. And now we're blaming him for a hurricane response that hasn't happened yet. We have reached a new low. We have cracked through the bed, uh, bedrock of political depravity. And we are working towards the core of the political depravity earth right now. Someplace I never thought we'd be able to go before. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is the RNC put out that crazy town ad. We are living in crazy town right now. This is just absolutely insane. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter in for Mark Levin. We'll be back in the other side of this. Break. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for the great one. Now I'm a little more prepared. Had about five minutes there. A little bit of a quick break. Got a drink of water. Turn the fan on so it's not 6,000 degrees. My office in here always gets super hot. It's like you're cutting weight for a UFC match when you come in here or something. You want to fight George St. Pierre, you need to drop 10 pounds. Come to the Dan Bongino home office. You'll drop that thing in like an hour. So turn the fan on. I'm all good. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. I opened up talking about the uh, sad use of politics now um, in hurricane response. I mean, it's just disgusting, filthy, horrible, disturbing. But epidemic of every single thing that's wrong uh, with Washington, D.C. I can assure you the people down there right now in the Carolinas who have had to evacuate their homes, some may come back, many may come back to significant, in some cases, catastrophic damage to their homes. I promise you are not thinking about politics. But you swamp rats and filth bags in D.C. uh, who do this for a living and politicize every single thing. You're thinking about it because that's what you do. You know, you have to understand, folks, a lot of these people there, you know, weren't tin knockers or steam fitters or carpenters or electricians or cops or firemen. There are some military folks up there and, you know, thank them for their service. But a lot of these politicians up in D.C. haven't had real jobs and haven't led real lives. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them have been up there their entire lives. Their entire lives have been about the show, not about the go. See, you're about the go. The go to you is getting up, putting on your work boots, and going to work. 
putting on your military boots, your work boots, your your whatever, whatever that even your work shoes. You go to work and you're running a company and you got to lace up a pair of dress shoes to go in a board meeting. You work for a living. God bless you. That's not those people in D.C. That's not what they do. So why you sit there and say to yourself, gosh, there's a hurricane coming in. How can we help? Do we donate to uh, some kind of a site? Is there some place we can go, a charity we can help? Can I call someone who lives in the Carolinas and check up on them? Uh, what do I do? That's not what they think in D.C. because they're not you. These people aren't people who actually they, they don't have real jobs. Their jobs are faking you out in D.C. and making you pretend they give a crap about your lives when they don't. So they see a hurricane coming in and their first response, because they're all show no go, is what show can I put on now? And the show I'm going to put on now is, yes, I'm going to try to make my political opponents suffer for a potential human tragedy coming in now that's going to hit shore in this disastrous hurricane. Folks, uh, listen, I, I ran for office. A lot of you know me. Some of you don't. I ran. I lost. I didn't win. I, I say that. all. I'm not uh, I'm not in any way embarrassed about it. I was proud to have taken on that fight. I ran three times. We almost won one, but almost doesn't count. Right. Horseshoes and hand grenades. But I'm telling you from experience, that's the reason I bring this up, not to give you my resume. That the people I've dealt with up there, a large portion of not all, there's some very, very good people up there. But many of the people I've dealt with up there are complete, total frauds. If you ever ran for office at the federal level and you had a serious campaign going, where you start raising money and people start paying attention, you are going to sit down at meetings in like the Capitol Hill Club and other places. You are going to leave with your head in your hand going, I cannot believe these idiots run the country. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm, that's not a joke. I can't tell you how many times I would drive. I, I was running in Maryland. I lived in Maryland at the time. I would drive into Washington, D.C. I would take Route 50 because I lived in Severna Park, Maryland. Driving home on 50 in my Chevy Tahoe because I always, I never had anyone drive me. The funny thing is I'd have campaign staff for people who were, who worked with us on the campaign. I wouldn't even let them drive my car because I was embarrassed. Anybody who, I can tell you, the one guy I had was so bad I had to get rid of him. But I drove myself because I thought it looked bad. I would drive out of there and think to myself, I cannot believe these idiots run the country. I'm serious. That's who we're dealing with. And I just told you I was going to move on from this topic, but typical Dan Bongino, you know, <laughs> when I get involved, oh, when something gets in my head, stuck in my cry, I can't get out. Listen, I want to move on quick because I don't have a lot of time. I only got an hour to fill in tonight. Um, Kavanaugh. There's a couple stories on Kavanaugh. I know Mark was talking about it. I was actually out with my daughter at a swim meet, so I didn't get to hear the beginning of the show. I actually do listen to Mark most of the time. But I just drove in, so forgive me if I'm recovering a lot of this. But the Diane Feinstein story that broke tonight on Kavanaugh, another shameful, disgusting smear job. Um, an anonymous source told an anonymous source that Diane Feinstein had a spy working for China. Or oh, I'm sorry. Wrong story. That's not an anonymous source. That actually happened. No. An anonymous source told another anonymous source that someone anonymously reported an anonymous source that said in high school, Brett Kavanaugh did something that was questionable. Uh, and, and it may involve something that an anonymous person reported may have been bad. <gasps> what, what? Shut down the hearings. Shut down the hearings, folks. What's the charge? I can't tell you. Well, who said it? I can't tell you that either. Well, is someone going to come out and never give us any facts on it? They're not going to give us any facts. They don't want anything to do with it. It's an anonymous charge. But we need to stop this Supreme Court appointment on an anonymous charge. How old is Brett Kavanaugh? 
26? No. How, how old is he? 53 or something like that? So you figure he was in high school decades ago, right? Decades ago. And yes, we're supposed to shut down the hearings because Dianne Feinstein, a United States senator who actively employed a spy working on behalf of China on her staff, we're supposed to take her seriously. And tripling down on stupid, by the way, this information, folks, was so serious. I'm being sarcastic here in case you're not missing the setup. It was so serious. She's had it since July. Now, July, August, September, August, July. It is September, right? I'm not crazy. Um, it is. It has to be because my anniversary wedding is August 29th. And I know my wife and I just celebrated. We were down at the Breakers there in Palm Beach County. We just So August 28th is past. So we are now past July significantly. We're now into September. We have passed July. So this information was so, air quotes here, serious. And Dianne Feinstein was so worried about the gravity of this. She has to shut down the hearing, but she announces it the night before the vote. And you wonder why it's, it's getting harder and harder to take Democrats seriously anymore. How do you take these people seriously? They've become a hysterical bunch of lunatics. We're supposed to take them seriously? Now, granted... If this charge was that serious, then why didn't we hear about it before? Why didn't she bring it up? Why is the person not coming forward? Why is it being launched as a strategic hit the night before a critical vote? Because this is what the Democrats do. This has been a series of one, two, three, hit, hit, hit. Knocks on Kavanaugh by disingenuous people not interested in getting to the bottom of what happened and his credibility and fit for the position of a Supreme Court justice, but for, again, scoring sick, deranged political points to stop them from taking over the courts. Because, uh, uh, by the way, when I say taking over the courts, to stop constructionists and actual judges from taking over the courts because the Democrats have fallen in love with the idea through the years of discretionary justice in this country. In other words, not the rule of law, but the rule of discretion. That's why they love the courts. Folks, they're so threatened by a potential conservative originalist majority on the conservative on, on a conservative-leaning court for one reason and one reason only. And don't forget this. The Democrats' agenda sucks pardon my language it is awful it has no popular support at all raise your taxes expand government uh you know uh absence of school choice government controlled health care medicare for all all of it none of this stuff has popular support none of it the democrats are not dumb they're tactically very efficient and smart they understand that their entire agenda is a steaming pile of horse manure they get that so they've relied over the years to pass that agenda on a left-leaning court system, and they've relied on left-leaning judges, not as not to, who don't act as judges, but who act as black-robed legislators from the bench. Mark wrote a whole book on this, Men in Black. I, I didn't even intend to do the segment, but that's, he wrote a whole book on it. I believe it was one of his first books. That's Rich, that's the title, right? Men in Black? I read it so long ago, I don't even remember the title. I think it's Men in Black. But Mark wrote a whole book on this. On judges legislating from the bench. Now, if the Democrats have that avenue cut off from them because of Trump's appointments to the district courts, the circuit courts, and the Supreme Court, the Democrats don't have any popular support. Do you understand their agenda is dead in the water? They don't have anything. 
That is why we're seeing this litany of disingenuous, disgusting attacks on Kavanaugh. This uh, last-minute allegation from an anonymous, anonymous, triple anonymous source who heard it from an anonymous source, whatever. The attack by this Ian Milheiser guy, was it over at the, that left-wing paper where he said, uh, Kavanaugh said he would kill Roe v. Wade last week, and almost no one noticed. That was the headline. The problem is, it was, it's a lie. He didn't say that. Now, I have no doubt that Brett Kavanaugh is probably a pro-life individual. How he's going to legislate? Gosh, I, I, you know, I hope he legislates a pro-life fashion. But the fact of the matter is, this guy Milheiser at that uh, left-wing wing outlet just made it up. Even, what is it, the Pinocchio, the Pinocchio test, that ridiculous Washington Post thing? Gave him four Pinocchios. He didn't say that. And this Milheiser guy got so desperate, he started doing a Bill Clinton. It depends on what the definition of said said. No, said, meaning he said it. Meaning he mouthed those words. But he didn't. Even, uh, what is it, uh, Slate, Slate, which is not a right-leaning outlet, called this guy out on it. Another disingenuous attack. You had Kamala Harris, Democrat senator from California. Kamala Harris comes out, slices off the beginning of a Brett Kavanaugh sentence he had, he had uttered in his uh, confirmation hearing. Slices off the beginning. Says, look, and Hillary Clinton, by the way, repeated the lie. Brett Kavanaugh called birth control abortion-inducing drugs. Ah, you may, you're, he did not say that. He was citing a case, a legal case, by priests for life that made it into the federal court system. The priests said they did not want to pay for abortion, abortion-inducing drugs. That's what the lawsuit said. But these knuckleheads made it up. Kamala Harris sends out this piece where they cut off. He cuts off the part where Kavanaugh said, they said, blah, 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 blah. They cut off the, they, you get what I'm saying? I know it's confusing because when I say they said, Kavanaugh said, they said this. They cut off that portion and just left the rest of the quote, making it seem like Kavanaugh said that. This is the kind of nonsense we're dealing with. It's complete insanity. And the reason is very simple. There is absolutely no popular support for their agenda. They understand that. We are an entrepreneurial country full of liberty-loving people who are not going to accept you taking more of our money, more of our health care, more of our kids' education away. We're not going to accept mounds of red tape. We're not going to accept an ever-expanding government. We're not going to accept it. So what do you do? You push your legislation through the courts. Where What do you have to do, folks? What's the difference? You only have to convince one judge. You don't have to convince hundreds of millions of Americans of anything. That's why. That's why they're in a complete, total panic right now, and they're in DEFCON 6,472 panic mode right now because they don't know what to do. I get I know the whole DEFCONs. I always get emails about that afterwards, but it's funnier when you say really high numbers sometimes. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back in the other side. Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark for this last hour. So, yeah, before the break, I was talking about the Democrats' ultimate the panic mode. I mean, they're, they're dropping... When I was in the Secret Service, we'd have this line, like, don't drop code. 
we had radios and they have codes in them, you know, special codes. I mean, you can figure it out. You're not going to go into the details, obviously, over the air, but they have codes in them. And if you drop the code in the radio, you couldn't hear anything. So he said, just don't drop code, right? Don't drop code, meaning don't panic. The Democrats are panicking. They're dropping code completely. Because if Kavanaugh gets ele- uh, elected, gets uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court after being nominated by Trump, and these 27 more district court judges and this one more circuit court judge gets pushed through, Donald Trump is going to be, his legacy is going to be transforming the courts back to their original intention, which were judges acting like actual judges, not legislators. And the Democrats cannot get anything passed on a popular nationwide level. They need the courts. That way they can only convince one judge and not have to convince hundreds of millions of people who frankly laugh at their agenda and think it's ridiculous. Yeah, we just, the government's just not big enough, folks. We need more government. More, it reminds me of the Saturday Night Live skit. Remember? What was it? Remember Cowbell? We need, what do we need? We need more Cowbell. The Democrats are lying. When I forget about more Cowbell, we need more government. Good luck selling that steaming pile of garbage. So what do you do? You just convince a judge for more Cowbell. Judge, we need this government program. If we cut it, it would be unethical. There's something in the Constitution somewhere that says this program can't be cut. The judge knows that's nonsense, but he goes, yeah, um, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 7, Subsection um, E2.567, Subset 2, Clause 3. Um, in there, um, I found a right to this program. <laughs> Reminds me of Braveheart. I declare the rights of Prima Nocta. This is what they just make this stuff up. They just make it up. They just make this stuff. I'm telling you, they just make it up. Where, Judge, where is that in the Constitution? Ah, oh, well, shh, don't tell. It's not really there. I'm just making this up. Come on, these Democrats have a crap agenda. Someone's got to help them out. We all know that's not really in the Constitution. And, and they probably wink and nod at each other. You know, the, the, the person arguing for the government, a liberal administration, is winking at the judge. Hey, Judge, you got this. Don't worry, pal. I got this. We're going to invent the constitutional right. You have a constitutional right to having the waters of the United States rule exacted, uh, 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 enacted. Excuse me. Well, well, excuse me, Judge. Meanwhile, the the, the other party the dispute sitting in the court and they're looking at the judge saying, uh, Judge, I, I don't get it. The, the 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 government now has the right to regulate a stream in my backyard. That's that's a dry that's a dry bed. Right? It's not even any water in it. Can't you call it like the dry? Stream bed rule instead of the waters of the United States rule because there's not even any water in my backyard. Where again is that in the Constitution? I missed that. Where, where is that in the Constitution? No, no, it's there. And he's winking to his government buddy. I got this. I got this. It reminds me of these sickos. My, my wife, we grew up in New York. My wife used to walk to work. These sickos are used to. They, she's like, I hated it. I couldn't stay drive her crazy. The judge, hey, I got you. Don't worry, buddy. We'll find a constitutional right somewhere. And then, and then the crazy thing is, when you have an actual constitutional right, like something embodied in the Second Amendment, the, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. You have a judge going, no, no, shall not be infringed really means we should make every single effort to infringe on that right. Wait, uh, uh, why? Did you take the Bill Clinton legal class for what the definition of is is, Judge? Did we miss something? Like actual constitutional rights don't matter. I'm telling you, this is why liberals are in love with the courts, because you stick some legislator in a black robe, you put him up on the bench, and he just invents stuff. Or she. They just make this up. And then when you have rights that are not made up, that are actually in there. 
They're like, no, 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 no. They, they meant the militia. How do you figure that? Do you understand how commas work? Like they meant the, is that what they meant? Are you sure? But have you ever read the Federalist Papers? Like, do you even, have, do, do you even do judging? Like, is judging your thing or is this like a side job for you? Like, are you a clown at kids' parties on the weekend? Is that what you do? Like, you do that trick. Look, there's a rabbit in the hat. Hey, here's a, here's a hint, kids, that it's a false lid in the hat, okay? The rabbit didn't really appear out of the hat. Oh, Judge, didn't I see you at my kids' party? You were doing that rabbit trick. Yeah, yeah, that was you. That was you. Yeah, yeah, I judge on the weekends. That's what I do. This is what liberals want, a clown show. <sighs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I said I'd get to a call. Nick, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. Next time I'm on, call back. I'll be in for Mark on Monday. Mr. Call Screener, get Nick's number. He is getting on the air on Monday if we have to call him myself. You promise me we'll do that. Oh, Nick. We love it. Nick, call in Monday. I'll be in for Mark Levin. All right, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. I'm Dan Bongino. Really appreciate your patience with us tonight. I'll talk to you soon.